Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we've got a special guest for you today. But before we bring him him in, let me bring in my partner in crime, Kyle Porter. Hey, Kyle, how's it going, buddy? I'm good. I watched the I watched like the entire '97 Masters last night with my wife, and uh, she was like, "Why don't I know who any of these people are besides Tiger Woods?" So that's <laughs> that's where we're at right now during quarantine time. Yeah, at least all of those uh, final rounds are on YouTube, so plenty of content out there to fill it up. Uh, but let's bring in our guest. He is the 2019 Barracuda Championship winner. He is currently the number 44 ranked player in the world. It's Colin Morikawa. Hey, Colin. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me this, today. This is uh, this is going to be pretty cool. So we've got you. You were just telling us before uh, before we went live that you're 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 hunkered in. You're you're in in Vegas and uh, not so much access to to practice equipment. Is that what I understand? Yeah, I've got nothing in the house. I mean, I have all my golf clubs set up in my living room. Um, no net, no putting mat. You know, Vegas. The, all the courses were open and up until uh, about a few days ago, and everything shut down now. So I've got the entire month of April left uh, to figure out what I'm going to do. What I'm, uh, you know, how I'm going to keep my my game as sharp as I can while I just sit on the couch. <laughs> Well, but before we get into to some of the golf stuff, I'm curious about just how, how you are passing the time because I think you know everybody, everybody that's working from home or at home in their homes is kind of doing it differently. What are the things that you have been doing just to kind of stay sane and and not go crazy during this time? Yeah, I mean, about a week and a half, and I bought myself a PS4. Um, I think that was a really smart decision for me. <laughs> smart or really bad decision? I don't know. We can put it either way. Um, but actually this past week, my girlfriend and I just fostered a dog, Okay, um, nice. this cute little dog. And unfortunately she's already going to be adopted in the next few days, but uh. like we had so much fun with her and like, we'll probably try and do it again because I mean, it, it just adds so much life, um, to, I mean, I, I think, you know, everyone loves pets for the most part and, um, having, you know, a dog kind of follow you wherever you go in our house and, um, do things like that. So, Yeah. Dogs are the big winner of all of this. You know, my yeah. my dog now with both my wife and us at home getting all the walks, everything like that. <laughs> uh, producer Jacob and I have been grinding PS4 a little bit. What what games are you playing, Colin? Uh, Call of Duty. I've been on the grind of Call of Duty Warzone. <laughs> um, wow. I mean, I got my first win two nights ago with some high school friends. Uh, I got another win last night. So we're on we're on the up right now. We're on the up. I, I love it. I love it. Does Tiger still play Call of Duty? Wasn't that his his deal back in the day? <laughs> I don't know. We're gonna have to find out. You think uh, he'll share his uh, his PlayStation name with me, and uh, maybe we'll get a couple games. Maybe yeah, we'll get a couple games with his kids, not him. Yeah, he's traded he's traded Call of Duty apparently for three thousand piece puzzles w- with his kids. <laughs> I, I learned that he was colorblind yesterday. On that, uh, did you see that, Rick? On that video, I video? did not see that. Is that true? Really? 
Yeah, Jen was like, or my Jen, my wife was like, uh, so how does he know if he's wearing red on Sunday or not? <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Colin, so let's let's get into a little bit of golf because uh, what I think that you know most people would would know, and, and you kind of get lumped into the group with some of the other younger guys, right? It's it's Matt Wolf, it's Colin Morikawa, it's Victor Hovland, it's it's these names. But for for me, it seems like young guys are so much more prepared these days. Uh, they're coming out on tour. They're, they're winning more often. Like, do, do you agree with that? And why do you think that maybe younger guys are more prepared when they step on the tour? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think obviously college has a big deal with it. Um, the, you know, the, the resources we have in college, whether it's track man, indoor facilities, coaches, you know, anything, you name it, we have it, we have it at our fingertips. Um, <clears throat> we have all the clubs we need. But I think also, you know, you look back at the past, whatever, handful of years, and there's a lot more younger guys. And I think what that allows us to do is that we know a lot of these young guys, we were a little more familiar, and that allows us to be a lot more comfortable out there. You know, uh, you talk about a long time ago, 20 plus years ago, when guys are like, you know, you, you can't just come out here and start playing well, you have to learn the curve, figure it out. It's because they didn't know many guys, you know, they, they only knew the guys that were in their thirties, whatever. And they saw them on TV these days. Now, you know, you see what, um, Matt Wolf and Victor Hovland, they knew Ricky really well already. Like they knew him on a personal level. And I didn't have that, you know, as close with many guys, but I knew Max Homa. I knew Brandon Hagee. I knew my Cal guys. I knew Michael Kim. So I knew a small handful of guys that just made it easier to when we first got out there it was, you know, an easier, comfortable transition. Um, and I think that just allowed us to go and play golf rather than figure out, you know, oh, my God, you know, look who's on the range. Um, look who's on the putting green. Who who my tee time is. Um, it's like, oh, we're just going to go out and play with some buddies and, and, you know, play for a living now. Have there been any moments where obviously college go- golf is is super competitive? And and I, I, I mean, I think golf just broadly since that 97 tiger win is just better just because of how much money he's brought into the industry as a whole. And I think that just naturally makes everything more competitive, but has there been anything in the jump from, from Cal to the PGA tour where it, it was eye opening of like, Oh, this is, this is way different in the, in, you know, on the PGA tour than it was in playing college golf. There wasn't anything eye-opening. Like, I, I thought I prepped really well. I mean, I spent all four years, and I seriously spent my senior year, like, trying to prep for the PGA Tour, figuring out what I was going to do during these weeks, how I was going to stretch, you know, all that stuff. Um, but the biggest thing is that, like, every single one of these guys can play golf. Like, yeah. it's not a joke, you know? Right. You go in college, and, you know, if you're really at the top of the top, you're competing against five or so guys in, you know, your regular season events, you come out here to the PGA tour out of the field of whatever, just say it's a full field 156, you know, that week, a hundred guys could potentially win. You know, they, they could come out really hot. There might be so many guys that are just not playing well, but anyone can get hot for four days and, and win. And I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, for you look at a guy like Rory, what he's done over the past year, you know, the guys finished top five, whatever, a billion times. And it shows like where their game is at. And that's where I want to get is that you want to contend every single week coming down with nine holes left. You want to be somewhere, you know, within the, the, the lead. Um, and, and, you know, whether something happens or not, oh, well, but um, putting yourself in that position is hard enough. And uh, that's what the best 
preach on that because I think that fans look at this stuff and they're like, oh, he's only won twice or so-and-so, you know, hasn't won in like six months. And you're like, <laughs> look at the, look at the finishes like this. The, I don't know. I, I just, and I want to get your take on this because you're around it a lot more. Like, I feel like the putting yourself in position and then things happen on Sunday late. It's like, I, that's out of my control. You get a bad, bad whatever. But isn't it more like, hey, I, I like to me, it's harder to 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 get like, I don't know, 11 top fives in a season than it is to win one time just because you have to play at that consistently high level throughout the entire year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's two parts to that question. I mean, I think being consistent, you know, it, there's so much to it. You know, you have to grind no matter what. If you have a bad day, those the best players are going to make something happen out of that bad day. On the other hand, you also have to learn how to win. And that's something that, you know, you can't teach. You can't go to a coach and be like, well, how do I win? You know, teach me, how do yeah. I win? You know, we can't lay out a plan like that. It's, it's really a lot of internal things. Um, and, you know, you go back to Tiger. That's why he's so great because he won. He, he closed out the deal. But um, you also want to be really consistent. I mean, you can be a player that wins a lot and then misses a lot of cuts. Or you can be a player that wins a lot and still is contending every other week. Um, I'd rather be the latter, you know, be there within the lead every single week and then close out, you know, so many hands throughout the year, whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I still, there's a lot to take from a lot of positives to take from being very consistent, but then when you're at that point of being very consistent, you have to figure out what's that next step. How do I close it out? Because yeah. you're not going to be satisfied with a second or a fifth or a 10. You want the win, you know? Well, I think you're the right guy to talk about with consistency, because as I'm sure you know, you are the current <laughs> leader in consecutive really, cuts. Really, really. I, I haven't you, heard that yet. I, I think you had. <laughs> I thought I'd break that one to you. So uh, does it ever cross your mind when you're playing out there? Like, does it is it ever a Friday? And are you ever like the streak could come to an end this week? You know, I, I think I... I'll think about it every week. I mean, you know, you, you head to the new week and you're... For me, I haven't played... 90% of the courses. So it's like, okay, you know, I don't know what to expect. You know, some, some caddies might say this course fits you, whatever. I'm ready to go out there. But when we had our press conference with all the rookies, it was me, Wolf, Victor, Justin, Suh, and travelers. I heard Brooks in a media conference. I, I read it or I heard it somewhere. You know, he, he went through the process of, yeah, mindset of making cuts to top 25s, top 10s, top fives winning. That week changed everything for me because before that I had two starts. I, I played in Canada, played at the U.S. Open, and I was literally trying to make the cut. And then, yeah, I was trying to play really well. But the first thing I had to do to check check that box off was make the cut. That week at Travelers changed everything. I went from making the cut to let's try and win. So now every other week, you know, every week since has been let's try and win. Yeah, you know, you got to make the cut to win. But my focus is on winning, playing really well, making as many birdies as I can, doing all the prep I need, not going out Thursday, Friday, worrying about the cut, worrying about, oh, I've got to make, I've got to shoot two under on Thursday, then two under on Friday just to make the cut. It's okay. Let's go make birdies. I, I want to follow up on that real quick because you're right. That was a, the results uh, describe that turning point as well. After, after travelers, it's T2 at the 3am it's T4 at John Deere and then winning the Barracuda. But even more re recently, uh, what I remember is I think you went out in like 40 on Thursday at Riviera. And I was like, Oh man, like 
And then on Sunday, I think he touched the first page of the leaderboard for, for a minute or two. And I was like, holy crap, he like grinded his way back into this. A lot of guys easily just would have ejected themselves and, and taken the weekend off. Like, talk me through your mind. Like, you're, you're never giving up out there, or at least that's what it uh, appears like. You're in constant grind mode. Yeah. And I think that's just, you know, part of who I am. But like, you know, when you look down deep in the roots of what kind of golfer, like I'm a, I, I love to compete, like whether it's anything, like we could be doing a puzzle right now and I would <laughs> try and beat you guys. Like it doesn't matter what it is. I'm trying to compete. And, um, yeah, like tiger and you know, that I think, yeah, yeah. If I front round front nine forty, like that does not mean my tournament's over. It doesn't matter where we are. And I think, you know, I look back at tournaments like that BMW championship. It was, um, my final round, like I needed to shoot literally a 59 to have any shot of just making it to the tour championship. And through nine holes, like I was a little beating myself up and my caddy, like we just tried to create games with ourselves just to stay creative, like stay competitive, do something. Um, because like, that's just who I am. Like I'm going to grind it out to the end. So yeah, you know, whatever I started with 40 and, I know that front nine of that Sunday round, like I was right up there. I was maybe a couple shots back. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just, I'm never giving up no matter what it is. Even if I am outside the cut line heading into that Friday, like I am going to try whatever, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You really don't. Um, so you just can't give up. I love it. Speaking of tiger, um, (laughs) I'm going to sell Mark. So Mark Elliman is somebody that is usually on this podcast and I'm going to sell him out right now because we were at uh, the PGA show earlier this year and we were talking about, I, I can't remember what we were talking about. And he brought up how he thinks that you Colin are a better iron player than tiger. And I was like, I was like, wow. Like, can we, <laughs> can we let him play in like one, one masters first before we like start making that declaration? Although I knew at the, in my head, I knew that your, I think, proximity to the whole last season was like a little bit better than Tiger's, or maybe it was this season. I can't remember. But my actual question is, who are the guys out on tour where you watch him hit irons? Because I think that's what people kind of know you as. But you watch them hit irons, and you're like, wow, that's that's awesome. Like that's that's really pure, and just that kind of other players talk about. Yeah. Um, really the only person is Tiger Woods. I mean, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I've, I've been, I've been very thankful to play with a bunch of guys. Um, you know, whether it's in a quick practice round or I've been paired with them, but when I played a Tory with Tiger the first Thursday, Friday, and I know he didn't have, you know, he wasn't as sharp as what he probably, you know, would want heading into a major, just say he had full, complete control of the golf ball. And like, I, I knew what shot he was playing. He worked the ball both ways and it was awesome to watch. Granted, there are a bunch of other guys out there that I admire. I love to learn off of, like just watching them. Like that's just who I am. I love learning a bunch of things, um, from all these guys. And that's what makes this fun being on the PGA tour. Um, but for someone like, I mean, Tiger Woods to work the ball both ways, every shot he had, like, you know, even the misses still were very good. You know, I've, I've, played a few holes with Rory in the U S open practice. I'm like amazing, like hands down, amazing guys. They know what they're doing, but Tiger Woods, um, just had complete control. And that's, that's what makes him an amazing ball striker. So I got to tell this story also. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to, but, uh, I made a list of the best swings in golf the other day. I didn't know. I didn't, I had no idea we were going to have you on a podcast, but I had you on there 
I had Rory. I had uh, Louis Oosthuizen. I just, you know, all the all the guys. Adam Scott. The Adam pure Scott. Ones, right. Yeah. Um, and Rory uh, reached out to me, and uh, he was like, he's like, Tiger's not on this list. He's like, what What are you doing? And uh, actually, <laughs> and I was like. I, I don't know. I got caught up in some stuff. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, you need to amend that. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately. Immediately you do. Uh, yeah. No, I, Tiger would be number one right there. You, you have to put him. Yeah, I, I, I got some editing to do. <laughs> so I actually I was actually there on Thursday. I followed you guys around at Tory. Uh, I think I followed that group for a while. Now, here's one thing that I always see you guys do. And I'm, I'm not a golfer. Uh, I mean, I play recreationally obviously, but I always see other guys trying to see what club someone hit. Is this like a real thing? Like, do you care if someone hits an eight iron into a par three? Like what, what is this all about? Like, are you really garnering information in real time from other guys shots? Of course. I mean, you know, obviously we're not telling you, you can't tell, you can't right. get signals, whatever, but yeah, why not look? I mean, in college, we did it. In college, what's great is that you have coaches. You have a team. They tell you what everyone else on your team hit. And, like, for me, I know everyone's game. Tough thing is, I don't know what my stock numbers are compared to Tiger. Tiger could be hitting a three-quarter sawed-off eight-iron. I don't know. But sometimes it is very helpful um, to know what they're hitting just because, like, you know, it gives you a, a gauge. It gives you a range of, of what it could be. I mean, you know, I go and play with a guy like Cameron Champ and, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. I'm going to be like a club. I'm going to be two clubs short of him. Like, <laughs> right. Not going to be as helpful. Um, but some guys, you know, different ball flights, whatever. But sometimes, yeah, it is nice to know what they're hitting. Um, it's for me, the more knowledge, the better. Leaderboards, love seeing them, love looking at them because it just it lets me know where I'm at. Like, it's not going to change how I play golf. So yeah. I guess, I guess, sorry, Kyle, I guess the next logical question with that is how aware of your own stats are you, right? Are you looking at your stats after every round, after every week, after every month? How you seem to enjoy information, as do we, how into your stats are you? Um, uh, I'm, I'm fairly into them. Like, I, I know my stats. You know, we talk about stats, like I know my stats, um, where I'm at, but I'm not going to dive too deep into you know, I'm going to be living off stats where I'm going to go up, play around and be like, oh, man, like my sh like I'm not going to come off the day and be like, oh, my strokes game around the green was really bad. No, I'm going to be like, my chipping sucks. Like, I need to go figure out how to hit this shot. Yeah, that's our uh, job to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I love I love all the knowledge. Like, we have so much at our fingertips. Like I said, like, we can get everything, anything we need. Um, and it is really nice. The one thing I, I was pissed was I probably had my best putting stat um the year at players after that first round i was like positive like two point whatever and i i texted my caddy after we flew back he lives in vegas um as well and i was like damn we were we were on to something we were going we were going in the right direction we were heading all in the positives um so yeah i mean i look at my stats it's there why not yeah how, speaking of the players how, what was that like because you you guys had a really fun group going you guys were all playing pretty well and yeah. it, it felt like it was, I don't know, it just felt like something was clicking with that group. Um, did you did you feel like you were headed for a really great week that week before everything kind of got, got cut short? Oh, yeah. And um, the week right before Bay Hill, I figured something out in my putting, and Bay Hill felt really solid. Um, and then we, and, you know, really tough conditions. You had players, conditions were perfect there. 
And, you know, with a great pairing like that with Wolf and Victor, um, it makes things easier. Like you, we talk about comf- uh, comfort out there. We're able to be a little more relaxed. We know each other's games. We feed off each other and we can just go play golf. And that's what makes golf fun is that when you have these pairings like this, you never know what's going to happen. We can go so low. And, you know, I don't think any of us really played amazing, but we all finished, I think, four under, four under and three under. And, um, you know, up like that over four days. So, um, you know, my game is trending in the right direction. Obviously, with everything going on, um, it's tough, but, you know, you want to stay as sharp as you can. So we're, or I guess I should speak for myself personally, you know, big into, (laughs) big into the fantasy, the fantasy golf realm. And the debate that we always have is kind of recent form versus course history, Colin. And I know you don't have a ton of course history, but like, talk me through, or at least not out on the PGA tour, right? But talk me through, there are just some guys who can be playing poorly leading up into a week and then get to a place where they've had success and something clicks. And I've always kind of thought, how is that possible, right? If you're if you're not hitting the ball well, you're not hitting the ball well. But time and time again, we see some of these guys can kind of click. So from your vantage point, from you being on the course and maybe you see something about the course that looks well, like I guess it is possible that you can just kind of click at a place even if your game's not in, in great form. Definitely. And I think it, every player has that handful of courses that they know they can go super low on no matter what, you know, how they are, if they've played, picked up clubs, whatever. Um, because they, it, it's almost like, you know, people talk about going to a hole and not fitting their eye, you know, yeah. but that, that's again, like you go to Tiger Woods, he had every shot to fit his eye. And that's the thing you want to have those, that, you know, that arsenal of, of those shots, but certain guys, you know, they stick to a, one shot and that's all they're going to play. And that's only, that's the only thing they want to play. So you go to a course and then every single hole fits your eye and you feel like you can make birdie that's when they, they can go super low and that's when they think they can win another courses, whatever, you know, if it's super long, whatever it is, um, they just, they already, they go into that course, not thinking that they can play well. And that already puts them at a disadvantage for me. I have no clue what any of these courses are. <laughs> I think my game, you know, I can translate it to a lot of different courses. I think I can play everywhere. Um, and then I, I put a veteran caddy, JJ Jackovac, who's on a bag for eight years. Um, and he's been on my back, you know, since I turned pro and it's been the best decision I've made. Um, and it's, it just made things a lot easier going to these courses. Um, so yeah, when people say like, oh yeah, you know, in two months, this course is going to really fit your eye. (laughs) I don't know. Like it might not, it might, but for me, like, I feel like with ball striking being my strength, I can bring it to every course and go out there and play. Who's the guy that, uh, you know, because I'm sure you, like us, grew up just watching everybody on TV and, and, and kind of experiencing it from afar. Who's the guy when you got out there, you're like, wow, they're like way different in person in terms of how good they are than that maybe it doesn't translate on TV? Um, I'd say Rory. I I mean, <laughs> obviously Rory's the best player in the world. <laughs> and, but, you know, growing up, it's not like I really focused my eyes on Rory. Yeah. I was watching Tiger Woods, even as a junior golfer, all I cared about was Tiger Woods. Um, and I got to college, you know, I didn't watch as much golf. I watched the majors. I watched them with, you know, the guys on my team, whatever, but it was still all we cared about was Tiger Woods. So yeah, I knew Rory was good, but then as we had like a tailor-made photo shoot and I, you know, you kind of pick his brain and then you watch him play and you actually see his game and how good he is and everything he thinks. I love you know, what Rory McIlroy represents. I love the person he is. 
Um, it's awesome. And to get to know him, he is just an amazing person, amazing golfer. And yeah, his game is freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you mentioned being a tailor-made pro, which I, I want to, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that because you know, the way that I look at this, like tailor-made cool. You guys do cool stuff. You do the ace cam with Eric Anders Lang. You do like the fun <laughs> competitions and stuff like yeah. that, right? Like I think it's cool, but I imagine there is a lot more that goes into a decision of what company you're going to join <laughs> other than it just being cool on like Twitter or whatever. <laughs> so can you, can you like yeah, walk yeah, me yeah, through? What goes into what goes into the process of how you uh, become a tailor-made pro? Yeah, I mean, senior year, like I said, I, I tested a lot of things. I was going through a lot of products, and you wouldn't even guess how many different sets of irons that were in my room, in my apartment with my uh, teammate. I mean, we had every set you could possibly imagine. I had sets that were sent that were just sitting in my coach's office that I didn't get to. Then I would have to <laughs> trade them in. Um, you know, it's, it's huge. And for me, I was very thankful. I've been with TaylorMade. They've been helping me with clubs since I've been, I don't know, 13. Um, so to continue that process was very nice, but then again, you have to look at what's going to be best for you. And the biggest advice is whatever you're playing now. And you, if you're playing well, why change? You know, you're going to go make more money on the golf course than you are signing your first contract. Sometimes you want to play what's most comfortable, what, what you're most comfortable with. I think, you know, if we're going to get one word out of this, it's what are we comfortable? You know, we're comfortable with the clubs we play, the courses we play at, and that's why we play well there. Um, so, you know, for me, I was already using a very, very, um, I, was, I was using a mixed bag in college, um, you know, here and there, but for the most part, it was a majority tailor-made. And to finally switch to them was the best decision. I'm very thankful for them reaching out and allowing me to continue with them. And um, obviously the people they have are fantastic. You know, they've got the best players. Yeah, it's it's quite a lineup. And it's a lot of guys that will be, uh, you know, if there is a Masters at Augusta National November, you were recently included in that group as, as one of the top 50 guys in the world. They kind of reset the the freeze date, I guess, for who gets in. Have you actually gotten an invitation or was that a phone call? How did all that work? Yeah, not yet. Um, about a week ago, I, was, I, I got an email from someone from Augusta just out of the blue. And I had no clue what it was for a few days ago. Uh, whenever it was all announced, my agent in the morning said I was going to get a phone call from Augusta. And I was like, kind of excited. You know, maybe <laughs> good news, maybe bad news. I have no clue, right? He could tell me, oh, you know what? We're going to extend the date maybe till later this summer. We're going to, I had no clue. And the problem was in my house, I have this one office where I'm sitting right now is the only place with service unless you call through like FaceTime on Wi-Fi. I was literally glued to my phone for about 30 <laughs> minutes. Thankfully, the call came, sprinted over, answered. Um, so I got the call got the invite um haven't gotten my actual invitation yet i think it's in the mail it's getting sent and, and that'll be really cool to see but to hear it over the phone from them um is really special i mean you know this is something i've won the plane all my life and i'm uh, not just playing but we want to win you know yeah. it's going to be cool to step on the grounds of augusta national my first time and i'm gonna have to take that in as quickly as i can um but at the end of the day i gotta go play some, some good golf because everyone's gonna be ready yeah, I mean, and and especially, I think we know we know the record of, of first timers around Augusta National, and you know, Fuzzy Zeller did it in nineteen 
Kyle probably knows 70, 79. 79 thank you. <laughs> um, so Stop, it's, man. I do think that there is something to what you just said, Colin, which is taking it all in as quickly as possible. And Kyle, believe it or not, was telling us about the time he played Augusta National a couple of years ago. It wasn't in He's, the Masters. It was, it was not in the Masters. Uh, but, okay. I'll but, you there. but he did say something to the effect of every shot. I know I'm never going to hit this shot again. Like every shot is so special. So I feel like the quicker that you can just kind of soak it all in, say, okay, I'm still here to do my job. I'm still here to, and you just said it, go out and try to win this thing. I think that's a really big hurdle for first timers. So do you think you'll be able to do as you say uh, and be able to soak it in very quickly and refocus? How, how comfortable are you there? <clears throat> yeah. Um, I really hope so. You know, <laughs> golf courses are very different. You know, I'm not a huge golf nerd uh, or golf course nerd where I'm going to freak out playing certain courses. When I was a junior, I was able to play the Sage Valley uh, Junior Invitational, and that's like right, whatever, a couple north, couple hours north of Augusta. Um, and that, like, I was in awe because it was so different than what I had seen, obviously growing up. But it was like amazing. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be as awe as I was as a junior because, let's, I mean, yeah, I played with Tiger Woods, and I was able to play two good rounds with him, and I think I got over that awe factor after that first tee shot. And he's already thrown jabs and thrown jokes at me right after I hit my tee shot. It's like, well, you know, what's so different between playing with Tiger Woods and then going playing Augusta National? Um, so, you know, for me, I, yeah, I, I really hope I get over that hurdle quick. I know that first day I'm going to, I get there, you know, I'm probably going to go buy as much stuff as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love a good t-shirt. I love a nice hat. Um, awesome. And I think that that'll be me, you know, like, fanboying over Augusta National and then from there like let's go play some some good golf well I I, th I think to that point you know it, Augusta in this era is so much more ubiquitous it's it's so like you see it so much more and, and you're around it so much more than you know you look back at the the Masters from yesteryear and it's like hey it's on for like six hours a year and that's it and you just you, you don't I think it's more it was more unique in terms of like players get there and they're like, Oh my gosh, like this is way different than I, than it like seemed on TV. I think it comes through better on TV now just because of <clears> HD, <throat> all this stuff. And it is, it is different to experience, but I don't think it's, I don't know. It doesn't seem as different as maybe it used to be. And maybe this is part of like what you were talking about earlier of like the college golfers that are just ready for a lot of this stuff in a way that guys from, you know, 20, 30 years ago were not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, granted Augusta's, probably a very tough golf course like everything is pristine perfect um and that's what makes it so cool is because like not every course you go to is going to be that perfect in a sense right yeah and you know we we view the masters as like oh my god like this is like i remember watching it with my friends in high school college whatever like this is the tournament we're all excited for yeah um but i have to put away that side of like yeah i'm i'm, I'm watching golf to I'm playing golf now. Like yeah. I'm playing, I'll be playing in the masters. So for me, it's, I'm a competitor. I want to go win every event. Like what's so different. This is another event. Let's go compete. And what's nice is that I've seen all these guys already. Like I've seen yeah. Rory, DJ, whatever, Brooks, all these guys, like I've played in tournaments with them. It's not like I'm showing up to this tournament where, yeah, I've been playing college events and then, Oh man, who are these pros? <laughs> <Yeah>. Like <laughs> these guys, these yeah. guys, um, you know, 
are you've, my friends. You've 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 played in front of the grandstands. You've played with these guys. It'll just be a, a different course for you. Uh, right. When was the last time you were nervous on a golf course? Mm. Nervous. Uh, <laughs> um, Sixteen at, at Phoenix. Okay. Um, 15, <laughs> oh my god, that was unbelievable. And my tee shot, the tee shot into the hole wasn't bad. It was, it was more because like the first day I had like four or five footer up straight up the hill, didn't even touch the hole. And now I have two and a half feet sliding downhill and I'm like, well, these guys are going to give me a lot of crap for missing this. <laughs> Thankfully I made it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's a different setting. I love it because like there's nothing like it. And I think that sets you up for anything. Like you talk about, you know, certain par threes where you get a bunch of a big crowd. Like obviously I was playing um, Sawgrass, but it was only one round. It was a Thursday. Um, but it like nothing is like 16 at, at Phoenix, like at Waste Management. It is. I mean, yeah, you have to experience it to really know what it's like um, to hit a shot there. What what other um, I just thought of this because I think about all the guy different guys wearing jerseys on sixteen like uh, JT wearing the Kobe jersey this year. What other professional sports are you into? Do you pay attention to and and even do you look at and maybe pull stuff from those guys in terms of the way that they compete that you can apply to your game? Yeah, I mean, growing up in LA, I've I've always been a huge Dodger and Lakers fan. Um, like those are my two teams. That's who I pay attention to. Like I love everything about that. I was actually. This past summer, um, when the season was over, I actually threw my first pitch at a Dodgers game. It's awesome. And it was the coolest thing. I would talk about being nervous. I, <laughs> out of my, I'm like, I can throw a ball. Like, I know I can. But, like, when you stand up there, like, my body froze. So, thankfully, that video is saved in my phone. And <laughs> not many people have it. It will not be shown. Um, but, you know, it's um, – but, yeah, the, I mean uh, – I'm an LA guy at heart. I think I always will be. Um, parents grew up in LA. So like, you know, obviously what the Lakers are doing this year, like it was very exciting. And, yeah. and even though I grew up, I grew up a Kobe guy. Like I grew up watching Kobe and Shaq. Yeah. Like I was not a LeBron guy. Like when Kobe was ending his career, like LeBron was the guy that you, you, you got to pick one, you pick Kobe or you pick LeBron. <laughs> like, right. But LeBron's what, what he's doing, you know, for the game, just like what Tyre is doing is just, um, transformation. Yeah. Yeah. LeBron's insane. He's like getting better and he's now in year, whatever, 17 or what it's absolutely yeah. insane. He's like, he's like uh, Bernard longer. You're like, you're going to you, exactly. go until you're like 58. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. And that's cool. Cause like, you feel like LeBron has so many more years on him. Like you feel oh, like yeah. it, it's not like it's ending anytime soon. And I wonder these guys if he's just keep getting younger. I wonder if anybody's ever compared LeBron to Bernard Longer. I wonder if he knows who Bernard <laughs> Longer is. No, that was the Probably first not. time ever, right there. <laughs> uh, I have a couple random things for you here, Colin. Uh, what's so you mentioned earlier, kind of like, hey, you know, this this shot fits my eye, or you mentioned, hey, Tiger has all the shots, so a lot of shots fit his eye. What's the most difficult shot for you to hit? Um, probably like a three quarter high draw. So, you know, we talk, I mean, it's, it's a rare shot I'm going to have to hit, but, you know, I, I think I love watching Rory McIlroy hit draws and that's how I kind of envision myself when I hit a draw, even though it might not look like that. Um, but, you know, for me, like if I'm going to take, I, I like hitting hard draws, like a, a mid draw, 
you know, big full swing, getting a little more. So when I'm trying to scale back on that, that's probably the hardest shot that I need to work on. Um, but for me, like, yeah, 90% of the shots I'm hitting cuts, I'm hitting left to right fades. And, um, when I do need to hit those draws, it's normally when I, you know, back left pin, I'm in between clubs. I'll take the shorter club, get a little more out of it. Um, yeah. Uh, to, to kind of go off of that, I, I think people realize how much work professional golfers put in, but I don't think they realize, they realize just, just how much it is. So in a normal non lockdown type situation, Colin, like what does your week look like? How many hours are you spending? Are you grinding on the range? Are you actually trying out, going out there and playing holes? We heard, you know, we've heard Jordan Spieth say, I don't go to the range all that much. I just go out and play. Um, where do you fall into that? Yeah. Um, well, we'll take like an off week for an example, right? Like in between a tournament, yeah. um, since our season literally lasts, seems like ever <laughs> always. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll take a couple of days off getting back, but then literally my practice is either on the chipping green or putting green. So I'll do a lot of chipping. I'll do a lot of, you know, just throwing balls everywhere. I'll do some putting drills, but then I love going and playing on the course. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go find a group in Vegas. And that, that's one of the reasons why I moved out here is because I know a lot of guys, I know a lot of pros and I'll just go have a match with them. Like that's what we, that's what I, that's what I like doing. Like I like playing on the course that's how I grew up practicing. Um, if I'm on the range and I want to practice on the range, what I'll do is I'll actually play the course in my head if I know the course I'm going to be playing. Okay. It's tough now that I don't know the courses, but I'll literally tee up a shot, hit a driver, hit a seven iron, and then go to the next tee. Um, and yeah, I'll be 18 under through 18 holes. And it'll make a great day. <laughs> it's an easy um, game that way, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of pros, I mean, well, now I won't say a lot of pros, but I, I do like to play on the course and um, that's how I spend a lot of my practice. But, <clears throat> you know, I think that's what was great about college is that you can compete with them, whether it's on the chipping green, putting green. Um, you always had a huge team with you around you. I could have used that three quarter high draw on number 10 at Augusta. I was in the, uh, <laughs> I was in the Rory cabins over there instead. Oh, um, so in college, it's very different because <clears throat> you're with this team, you're not getting paid. Um, you might be on scholarship or whatever. And then all of a sudden you, you turn pro and you, you make a lot of money if, if you play well, well, what is, it's just such a, it's not, I mean, obviously professionals in all industries make money, but how weird is it to go from making, to having no money or or not making any money to making a ton of money whenever you turn pro? Um, I mean, it's nice. It's, I'm never, I'm not, I'm never going to say money's not good. <laughs> money is, money is very nice, but it's not, it was nothing that I thought about at all when I was turning pro. I wasn't going to yeah. be like, oh man, I can't wait to go win my first tournament and make a million dollars and hit that <laughs> million mark. Or man, I can't wait to go, you know, make a cut and make, oh, I made 30,000 for the week, whatever. Like that's, that's all the back end of being a professional athlete, being a professional golfer. Like, you know, we have very nice purses and, and it only keeps getting better. And like, that's only benefiting us and, and we're very thankful for it. Um, but we love every other part of, of being the professional athlete we are. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is very nice. It allows me to, to go out to uh, very good restaurants. <laughs> My girlfriend and I love food. Like we live to go to all these other places, have really good food for dinner. Um, I'm able to buy some shoes. Like, I love that. Um, so yeah, you know, I haven't bought a lot. Like I haven't really spent anything on like a car or any of that stuff, but like, yeah, you know, it's, it's nice to go out and have a good dinner. 
So you are number uh, 404 <clears throat> in the all-time PGA Tour earnings list. <laughs> thank you. Just, um, just ahead I, of, gonna, you're just ahead of Johnny Miller, which is crazy. There you go. <laughs> that, that is very weird. I mean, I've been a pro for, whatever, 10 months, almost a year now. And um, the money we make now is, is very different than what they made back then. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. You know, it is very nice. So what's the restaurant of choice in, in, in Vegas right now? Oh my God. Well, there's nothing. I mean, <laughs> well, nothing's open, but yeah. Home, right? <laughs> Normally like we have some good sushi spots. We have some nice. good noodle spots. Um, we love going on to the strip with a bunch of friends, um, and, and go into some restaurants out there. So for me, like, yeah, I mean, we, that's what, that's what makes us fun. Like some, I mean, some of these cities we go to, they need better restaurants. Like <laughs> this past summer was very, very tough. Like there's only maybe a Chili's and I'm like, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, there, there's some good places. I mean, Napa was really, really nice. My caddy yeah. grew up in Napa, so he knew everyone. But the food out there, the food scene is amazing. Um, I was really looking forward to New Orleans this year. Yeah. I've never been there. Obviously, the tournament was going to be very fun. Uh, Zurich Classic, but um but yeah i mean the food in new orleans i just i can't people rave about it who uh who was going to be your partner did you have one lot lined up i did i announced it i I think tuesday on my instagram wolf and i both announced it. we were ready to go we thought you know we had our our caddies knew the course so we knew already what holes we were going to play even though we had never seen the course and, um, yeah, obviously, you know, that's, that's going to have to get postponed. Hopefully it, it happens again next year. Yeah, for sure. I think my big takeaway from this interview is that the food scene at the John Deere is just terrible. It's just not good. <laughs> I, I never said that. I never said what tournament was not good. I just said a couple places this summer were not good to, to, to food. Uh. Awesome. So we'll we'll kind of uh, we'll wrap this up a little bit here, but I want to I want to talk about this, Colin. You have been the number one amateur in the world. You've been a member of the Walker Cup team, Arnold Palmer Cup. You're already a PGA Tour winner. Do you ever reflect on that and go, "Wow, that's a pretty good looking resume," or is it all kind of forward focused for you? I think when my careers have been over, that's when I when I look back at the resume and be like, "Yeah." you know, we did a really good job or, you know, whatever my team, we, we did a really good job of what, you know, what I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, when I, when I start something new, like a professional career, I keep setting goals and I'm always going to keep having goals and goals and goals that I can reach, you know, they might be short-term goals, long-term goals, whatever they are. And then I don't think I'm really going to fully grasp what I've accomplished, what, you know, even me, Matt and Victor have accomplished over the past year, um, until my career is over. And, you know, I never really got to look back at my college career and realize, oh yeah, you know, this is what I'm doing until I actually graduated and I finished and I turned pro. Now I'm able to look back at college, look back at my junior days and realize, yeah, Walker Cup was amazing. Two Palmer Cups, all Americans, first team, all that stuff, um, you know, scoring, whatever it is. That's when I look back and like, that was really cool. But now we have new goals and for me, it's it's not what's in the past. It's what's in the future. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'll really realize what I'm doing right now until whenever I retire, which hopefully is in a very, very, very long time. 
Well, I, I love it. Colin, we'll, we'll leave you on that one. Make sure you follow Colin on Twitter at Colin underscore Morikawa. That's Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. Colin, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. A lot of fun. All right. Stay safe. That has been uh, this episode of The First Cut, and we'll talk to you next time. series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.